Welcome to the SDG Warriors podcast. Today, we have a super special guest with us, Tanya Avril. Ms. Tanya is a strong advocate for student voice and believes in the power of storytelling in education. Seeing stories help kids like us explore their creativity, construct their identities and connect with others firsthand. She has the privilege of spreading this principle with the help of Adobe Education as the education evangelist. As a teacher, Ms. Avrith integrated technology with purpose, believing that today's stories are best told and shared with the help of tech tools. Her work with EdTech led to a collaboration with the superintendent to bring a digital citizenship program and best practices district-wide. And she continues to seek out programs like Apple Distinguished Educator, Google Certified Innovator, and Adobe Education Leader to deepen her knowledge and curiosity. With the passion for using tools with pedagogical purpose, Ms. Tanya co-authored the Google Infuse Classroom, a book that has helped thousands of edu heroes worldwide take their edtech education into their own hands, where learning truly belongs. Ms. Tanya, it is an honor to speak to you today. Well, thank you for having me. I'm so honored to be here today. Well, uh, beginning with the questions, uh, to help our audience visualize the conversation, uh, can you tell us where you're located? What's the weather like outside right now? And what can you see from your window? Oh, that's a great question. So I live in South Florida in the United States, and I'm on the East Coast of Florida. So I'm very close, I'm about 25 minutes from the Atlantic Ocean and I live in a town called Boynton Beach. It's kind of small um, and there's farms not too far from where I live, believe it or not. Um, so it's kind of suburban and so if I were to look out my window right now, I can see palm trees and uh, some really tropical bushes and um, a house across the street. <laughs> so it's it's definitely more of a suburb area, not, m- m- not much of a city at all. What does a typical day in Tanya Avrid's life look like? What a great question. Uh, a typical day would probably be wake up and uh, I, I get my, my, my children out the door with my husband who drives them to school. And I have a nine-year-old son and a 13-year-old daughter. And then I will get dressed really quickly because I have a dog who needs to go out. So I will take my dog out, eat something, exercise in the morning, and then I will come down to my office. And I will be in either lots of meetings or live streams or i will be working on some projects and then i go pick up my kids uh, from school and then i come back and work some more make dinner and then i go and lie in my bed and watch some tv or read a book and then i go to sleep and start again and again well your passion inspires us all coming to the topic of creativity you have co-authored two books in the infuse classroom series the google infuse classroom and the microsoft infuse classroom what does the infuse classroom exactly look like that's such a great question and i have to tell you it's the first time someone's ever asked me that in so well in, in an interview so the google infuse classroom was a book that i co-authored with my very dear friend holly clark and we wrote it in 20 i think it was like 2016 when we started writing it and holly and i had worked in schools for many years helping teachers 
understand how they might use technology in a more meaningful way. And what we had realized, and we started doing it really before it was a big thing. So I had my first one-to-one -one classroom where I had students using um, computers, um, you know, but they all had the, their own computers in 2007. And so this was before a lot of people had a lot of technology in their classes. But when I was starting out, nobody really knew what to do. And I was figuring it out as I went along. And then I was hired to work at our school district to help coach other schools in 2010 who were just starting to bring in computers. And even then it was super early and I had no one to go to. I didn't know who to ask. I Googled and there was no real great information out there. And so I was doing things that weren't great. Like I was putting apps on my computer that I thought were just teach math or I was putting you know, um, social studies apps that were just replacing a workbook. But the more that we started using the technology, um, the more I started realizing that that wasn't really the best way to use the technology because the computers were just like thousand dollar pencils. So I started to find new people and I went on Twitter and I went and started making friends with people who were also looking for help, right? Because Twitter is such a great place to learn, right? And so this was in 2010. And I started making friends and learning about conferences. And so I went to a conference in Boston and it was the very first iPad summit. And it was in 2012 because the iPads just came out and, and they were kind of coming into schools. And I met my friend Holly and her and I started talking all the time because she was doing really innovative things in her school in San Diego, California. And I lived in Canada at the time and I was doing really innovative things. And we would talk and we would talk and we would talk and we were trying things. And we started presenting on a lot of the things that we were trying and we would present at conferences and I would meet more people and more people. And I actually had a show like you called EduSlam. Really early on, it was a vlog show and I would have people come on and, and interview them about best practices that they were doing in their classroom. And then years later, Holly and I had been doing all these things and we kind of figured out this really great way of thinking about teaching and learning with technology in the classroom. And so the, hence the idea of an infused classroom because you infuse your classroom in a meaningful way with technology. But it's not meant to be this other thing that you do. It's really meant to be something that in a really well-designed curriculum and a well-designed, uh, when you're doing, uh, when you're teaching in a, in a really, um, you know, in, in, a, in a way that, that's really meaningful for your, your students, you're using it for, for, to really help learning go further and so that's what we kind of talk about so it's looking at the tools and really good practices for teaching and learning and how you can use the tools to help students learn better so it's an infusion <laughs> sorry that's a long answer to a really simple question but it is a there was a whole story behind it right we would love to hear your stories technology to support the curriculum and the learners is infused classroom that's so great to hear what do you miss the most about being a normal classroom teacher what replaces that missing link in your current role oh 
gosh, you have great questions. <laughs> so I do really miss it. I love working with students like you. You're so inspiring. And I really miss, desperately miss, um, really having these great conversations just like now where we we can learn from each other because i believe my philosophy is that students have a lot to teach everyone as well and that your voice is really important so i think that that's really what i miss is working with students but i actually will be um teaching co-teaching a class next year uh, the one good thing about COVID, and that not that there's many good things because this is not great at all, but it has changed the way that learning can happen. And so a lot more schools are open to having a teacher that might not be physically there. So next year I will be teaching uh, very part-time. Maybe it's gonna be like one class a week at a high school so that I can still have these great conversations and try to uh, be inspired and inspire students. Well, that's so great to hear right now. Um, a silver lining in the dark cloud for this COVID pandemic situation is that we have got more adjusted to technology and that is actually going to be very beneficial in the future for everyone. So from an educator to a presenter, to an author, to an education evangelist, you wear many hats. Which is your favorite hat and why do you like it? Oh, great question. Um, I would say being an educator is always going to be my favorite thing in the whole wide world, a teacher. More than anything, more than presenting, um, more than you know, my evangelism hat. I, I I do see myself as a teacher to teachers sometimes as well, and I hope to inspire, um, you know, other teachers to feel passionate about creativity and and providing students with voice um, in, and and you know just really allowing our students to be like you, like to be able to have the opportunity to. To, to, to start a podcast or to create something that matters today. There's no reason to wait. Why wait? And so I, I do think that being an educator is probably my very favorite um, job of them all. And I don't see it as something that's finished because I have every intention to eventually you know, go back to the classroom full-time again. This is not finished. It's just part of the journey. Right, I completely agree with you on the point that why should we wait? Our main philosophy of the SDG Warriors is that, is that we should be the change makers of today. Everyone asks us that, um, what do you want to become when you grow up? But why wait? You can be the change right now. So I completely resonate with your passion over here. And your passion inspires us as always. So what does creativity look like for each of these hats that you wear? Wow, you ask the best questions, honestly. Okay, so creativity for each of those hats that I wear. Well, as a teacher, I really see what I do as like being an orchestra conductor. So in a classroom, when I'm teaching, I really, I'm looking around at my students who are, you know, learners, and uh, we're creating beautiful music and I'm a conductor of, of, of beauty and I look around and I say, okay, you know, we're gonna go a little bit higher here. We're gonna need a little more help here. We're gonna sprinkle in something here. And we make the classroom a fun and engaging experience um, like a symphony. 
And so together as, as in my class, when I'm teaching, I try to inspire that kind of environment where my students feel excited to come into the class. They feel excited because they like what they're doing and they feel loved and um, they, they're doing things that matter. And so um, I really do think that there's a lot of creativity that goes into being um, a creative educator. Um, and, and in my role now, uh, working at Adobe, I get to be incredibly creative in a company whose philosophy is literally inspiring the next generation of creators. And so I, I love what I do because I get to be really independent and um, I get to think critically and be a creative problem solver, trying constantly to figure out new ways that we're going to help inspire others and um, inspire other educators. And we get to think about social media and how can we be you know, reaching people in really interesting new ways and coming up with programs that will help educators feel inspired and supported and loved. And so I get to do that in my role. And so it is insanely creative. Um, and I get to learn new things every single day. I, I didn't go to school to work at a company. And so I had to learn everything on the fly when I joined. Um, so it's been really exciting and, and definitely very creative. I can, I can visualize the excitement of those young change makers in there. And your vision for each of these hats is truly amazing. Coming to the most debated question in the world, can there truly be a creativity for all culture in the world or is it only for the ones who are gifted? Oh, I'm so glad you asked that. Yes. I. So I really believe in my heart and soul that all students are gifted, that all learners have the potential to do incredibly great things. Every single learner has that in them. And every learner and every person and every human has the ability to, to shine and to do good, right? And um, so I do believe that that, that that philosophy and that mission of creativity for all is why I took the job at Adobe was because it's so mission driven and in my heart and soul, I believe it with every single part of my being. So um, to answer your question, I do think that it's possible. I think that, um, you know, when we are collectively motivated and we're collectively um, you know, reaching to a common good, like that's why the SDGs are such a great movement, right? As yeah. an example. Um, I think that it's definitely possible for, for creativity to be there and creativity takes on so many forms. I think people often think that it's just the arts or it's just, but you can be creative in all, all kinds of ways and, and in all kinds of subjects and uh, in different fields that you study. Absolutely. I completely agree with your point over there that every child is unique. Everyone has a spark in them. So what do you think is your gift and when did you discover your gift? Can you audibly visualize the experience for our listeners? What a great, another great question. Oh my goodness. This is the best interview I think I've ever done. So, uh, I mean, in terms of great questions. So yes, I think one of the things that I've realized over the years that is, and I only realized it later in my, in my life that is a gift for me is um, I, I think that I have a gift of empathy. So 
I went as a teacher, it's made me a very gifted teacher because I really can feel and sense a room. I can feel and talk to somebody and feel their energy. I don't know if that makes any sense, but I feel uh, very deeply um, and I care very deeply about people around me. And um, sometimes that's a gift and sometimes that can be a curse, right? Because you can really feel energy. And so when energy is really intense, sometimes it's really hard to kind of understand that energy around you. And I can, like this is, a, this is something that I think is a gift because I can relate to people really well. And I think that in my role as someone who works with educators, who works with students, that helps because I I have no judgment in at all when it comes to working with students or teacher learners. And I value so much their stories and their journey. And so I think that that is part of my gift as a teacher. And I think I realized that gift my very first year as a teacher. I started teaching and I had really a difficult class. And uh, it was a group of students um, that really, again, like we're so beautiful, but you know, we're not necessarily understood. And I remember um, I was supposed to be an elementary teacher, but I was teaching high school. And I was, yeah, and I got this job and I was like, I can do it. And I was really young and I went into school and I was like, I was teaching a subject that maybe like I really wasn't super comfortable with. And I remember my mother-in-law, who was also a teacher, she said to me, you know, Tanya, you can have all the information in the world. You can be a PhD and know the topic, but if you can't relate to your students, just if they don't understand you or like you or, or wants to work for you, then it doesn't matter what you know, you'll never be able to teach them. And I learned very early that a great educators are not necessarily the ones that have all the information, but they might have a little more and they can inspire their students to want to learn more. And I think that has been really a gift for me is that ability to connect, to understand and to help inspire. Well, empathy is a great gift that you have. Forming those human connections, relating with the thoughts that the students have, we can find that very rarely. But I'm so happy that you have such an amazing gift. Well, what do you think emotions? Which role do emotions play in creative processes? You know, that's a, another really great question because when you think about creators, very often creators are people that connect, right? They have a sense of the world that's really deep you know you know that you hear the kind of uh emotional you know the musician who's very deep and you know like the emotional actor but like the typical artists they have a sense of the world that is very interesting because the, i think the emotional they're very tapped into their emotion they're very tapped into their 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 surroundings or there's a self-awareness that is very, very, very interesting and deep. So I do think that that emotion and having kind of like an emotional intelligence around you helps with your creativity um, and to to be a creative thinker, right? To, 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 to try to think about things in different ways, 
I, I definitely think there's a correlation there. Well, that's great to hear. Um, forming those human connections, those relations, and diving deeper into different perspectives that makes us a greater species. Well, is there something that you do to put yourself in a creative state of mind? If so, what? I listen to music. I always put on music when I'm working and I find that if I'm listening to music, I just automatically am able to focus better. I'm able to zone out other thoughts and uh, it relaxes me and it helps me just kind of get into that kind of creative space. I also am a lot more creative when I ex after I exercise. I find that exercise helps me focus and be able to think clearer and more creatively as well. Well, the same thought applies to our students as well. We love listening to music. Well, is there, um, is there anything that creative people do that you admire and why? Yeah, absolutely. I think that um, I really admire creative people and their processes. Because I think that when we speak to people very often, we see the product, you see the end, you see the artwork, you hear the symphony, you see the, whatever the creative thing it is that they've made, right? You finish it and you see the product. But I'm very inspired by creative process and how people get to that place of creativity, right? So how did you come to finish that play? And hearing that journey of how it came to be, and when you learn that it wasn't just like this, that it took years to create, and there was failures attached to it, and it didn't go well the first four times, and you made four other plays, and you know, that symphony took 20 years to make. I love those stories because that means that we're all capable of greatness that when you just see the end you think oh i can't do that 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 was there was a story behind that and so i'm very inspired by creative processes from artists and learning about how they came to that place well the journey is more interesting and the journey is where the learning happens i can completely resonate with your thoughts right now do you think that the lockdown helped to spark creativity in the community and how did it help I do. I think that people were forced to stop, to slow down, and to re-examine a lot of their priorities in their lives. And there are very few times in my life that I've had opportunities to slow down. You know, prior to pandemic, I was in my role at Adobe, a lot of what I do is is travel. You know, I go to conferences, I speak at conferences, I present at conferences, or I go to school districts and work with teachers, or I'll go to the office in San Francisco. And so there was a lot of travel. And I, I think that the pandemic having slowed things down and not having the travel and not having the go, 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 go really did force um, a lot of self-reflection for a lot of people. Now, even step out further, now people were home and they had to be creative in the way that they were solving a lot of problems that they might've had. You know, how do we do school? How do we get people to doctor's appointments? How, you know, like all of these different 
you know, things that were so common, now people had to think about them in a different way. So in those constraints, you know, creativity grows in constraints. I really believe that. When you put some barriers, it forces you to really think more and more creatively. I think we've seen a lot of creative thought, uh, creative problem solving, and um, I think just the way we do things. And then also people had a little more time. You know, maybe some people were, were home more, and so you had more time to do some of the things that you, you hadn't had time to do in the past. Well, I completely agree with you once again, ma'am. The pandemic helped us to rejuvenate and think about everything that we do. In your opinion, at what age should students be introduced to the world of social media and personal branding? And how do you think that students can utilize the uh, boons of social media for good? I love this question. I, so I, I, <laughs> I taught a class called Personal Branding and Digital Communication. And this was a high school class. It was mandatory for graduation at the school I taught at. So very progressive, you know, you have to really think about um, a lot of different factors. And so the, the premise of the class was, one day you're going to be Googled, not if, but when. And when you are, how are you leveraging technology and social media to tell your story? Because the philosophy is, your story and your name and you are going to be out there some way or another. Either you control the narrative or somebody else will. And that that's just the world we live in. It, good, bad, ugly, doesn't really matter. People can have their opinions about it, but ultimately it is what it is now. And in a post-pandemic world, we're now really, we are uber connected and hyper connected and like that, that's the, the, there's a, there's no, there's a blur between digital and analog now because we do so much online. We're going to have to have students understand how to tell stories, how to sell ideas, how to communicate with impact how to break through noise to be heard and seen. And so those skills, which is a lot of what I talk about when I'm doing presentations are really focused on building really compelling digital storytelling skills. And those are not optional anymore. I really believe that these are literacies and, and, and just as if not more important, well, uh, uh, that's, you know, I could get in trouble. I'm sure people might disagree, but I do believe that they are just important as being able to read and write. You need to be able to visually tell stories because if you're a plumber, if you are a, a surgeon, you're going to be, you're going to need to tell and communicate your ideas visually to an audience. Now, social media is a tool and it will evolve. There'll be all kinds of medias in our lives, but understanding how to learn tools, understand how to leverage them, understand where to find the good ones, how to connect with people, how to network. Those skills are really important for students to learn. I mean, you're doing a great job at it. I think you're one of the best I've seen. So, you know, and you see the importance and the power of networks and asking and, and connecting and just, you know, getting yourself out there. That's a seriously powerful skill to learn, not just for kids, but for adults too, right? And so I do think this is important. And I think that 
understanding the difference between learning how to use social media to network versus socialize is important as well. There's a distinction between being on there and having a Snapchat, you know, kind of like streak with your friends. You know, I know that's something that a lot of, you know, teenagers do and leveraging Twitter to network and connect with influencers in different fields like you're doing is totally different. And so leveraging those skills and understanding that technology and social media is more than just a place to hang out with my friends, I think is a skill that can be taught probably I would say beginning in middle school or even for you. I think you're, how old are you if you don't mind me asking? Uh, I'm 15 years old. You're 15. Yeah. So there you go. So you're a high school student, but you've been doing this for a while. And so those skills are really, really valuable. And I think starting them early and learning how to communicate with impact, how to have a social media presence, how to get your ideas out, where to find people to, to, to hear you, how to connect to them, how to tell your story in a visual way so that people actually want to look at it and follow up on it. Those are actually like incredibly marketable skills that to be honest, a lot of adults don't even really have. Well, that's shocking to hear. The world loves stories. Creativity is all about imagination and innovation. However, some people tend to take shortcuts through imitation. So how can we protect ourselves, our creatives from imitation or plagiarism? Your advice to students who are embarking on the creative journey. So I think you're right. I think that, you know, imitation is, is a, well, I, I forget who quoted this, but uh, I think someone once said imitation is the biggest form of flattery <laughs> so i think as creatives you know when we look at how people learn a lot of what they do is they will learn from other people's styles think of dancers right and dance that has evolved or um you know different types of arts that's evolved you know usually you start by learning the from the the classics and then you become your own um, so I do think that's part of the creative process and it's really something that's definitely very difficult to get away from because ultimately as humans, you know, we are constantly evolving and thinking and, and coming up with new ideas. Um, I, I've always been a huge fan of Creative Commons licensing. And um, so with Creative Commons licensing, you can really determine with your fellow creatives how you want to be credited for your work. And I think that that's really a valuable kind of strategy because ultimately people, you know, with the internet, you know, like things can be easily copied and things can be easily shared. But I feel like if we can get people in the mindset of the importance of just giving credit, really, you know, encouraging people to, um, to learn how to do that and remember to do that. I think that that's kind of a really, probably a really typical way of doing it. Well, people tend to have many similar thoughts and they can totally find it on the internet. So giving credit where it's due is very important in today's world. Oof, that was pretty intense. Let's lighten up the mood with some fun questions. So the first question being, what's something that always makes you smile? Some, oh, my, my dogs. <laughs> I love my dogs. I am like a crazy dog mom. I have two dogs. They're still very young. One is only eight months old. He's 
His name is Ringo. He's named after Ringo Starr from the Beatles. And he is 75 pounds. <laughs> He's the cutest thing ever. He's a Berna Doodle, Bernese Mountain Dog and a Poodle. And, and then I have my other little one who is my best friend in the whole wide world. And his name is Lenny. And he Aww. is a golden doodle. So golden retriever and poodle. And he's my best friend. He's by my side always. So yes, always puts a smile on my face. <laughs> I feel so happy looking at the golden poodle right now. What's the last book that you read, the TV show or the movie that you've watched and would you recommend it? Oh my goodness, good, good question. Oh, oh my God, don't, don't judge me, okay? So the last book <laughs> that I read uh, was, um, it was uh, one of the Twilight series books. <laughs> I like vampire teenage books. <laughs> so that was the last one. And um, it was the one from Edward Cullen's experience. <laughs> So that was the last book I read. Um, I do read smart books too, I swear I do, but that was the last one I read. And um, my I, the last show I've been watching has been this series called, um, it's Superman and Lois, and it's so good. <laughs> I just started watching it and it's Superman is in the future. And well, now, but now he has two children and he's married to Lois and his, like, it's all going through like his life as a father and it's like, what? So it, it's, it's good. I like it. I just started watching that. Oh my God, I feel so excited right now. I'm totally going to go home and watch it. So, um, <laughs> which color describes you best as a person? Oh, that would definitely be yellow. <laughs> Sunshine. <laughs> Happy, Wait, yeah, I think so. Orange or yellow, that's how I view myself. You are contagious with your happiness and I'm so pumped up right now. If you could choose a theme song for the rest of your life, what would it be? Ooh, okay. I think it would be, um, you know the song, oh my God, I have, I have a terrible voice, but it goes, I can see clearly now the rain is gone. I can see all obstacles in my way. That one. I can't remember the name right now, but that would be it. It's it's gonna be a bright, bright, bright sunshiny day. I have no voice. My daughter would be like, Mom, please stop. <laughs> but that would be it. I would say that's probably my theme song. That's so fun to hear, Mom. <laughs> that was very fun. Maintaining the tempo. How about a quick fire round? Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. Well, which is your favorite tool? from Microsoft? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I really like OneNote. I think that from the Microsoft suites, I think OneNote is so practical and you know helps you keep things organized and I need a little bit of organization in my life. So I will say OneNote. Just like a digital notebook, yes. <laughs> what about Adobe? Oh my goodness, oh gosh. Okay, well I definitely, this is a hard one because there's a lot of great tools. I'll say I really love obviously Spark, right? Because it's like really quick and easy to use. I just started with Illustrator and I'm kind of a, in love. <laughs> so I'd say that would be my like favorite creative cloud tool at the moment. So yeah, I'll go with that one for now, but it changes because I really like character animator too. So it's hard to choose, but of course Spark and then I'd say Illustrator, character animator, Oh my goodness, and then I just found a new app. Have you seen, it's free too, Adobe Capture? Well, I've heard of it, but I've never used it. 
Oh my goodness, you have to use it, okay? It's so cool. I, I tried it out for the first time yesterday and it lets you like take like common pieces around the world and it helps you create them into vectors. It helps you create brushes. It helps you create patterns. It lets you choose colors. Like so you take a picture of something and it will pull out the color palette. It's awesome. Check that one out. That's probably one of my new favorite ones. I totally need to check that out. It's so much fun. Well, what is your favorite tool from the Google Suite? Oh my goodness. So I love Google, obviously, as you know. Um, I would definitely say I'm a Google Slides gal. I, which, because I think it's so versatile and as a teaching tool, it's like a, it's like a collaborative spot and it's just, you can do so much with it. So I'm still a, a Google Slides kind of gal. Uh, what tool do you think is the most apt for the 21st century skills? The first being creativity. I mean, we say probably Spark just because it's completely equitable. It's free and it allows everyone to have the opportunity to create like beautiful visuals, videos, web pages. I'm going to say that because I do think like from an equity standpoint, uh, and when we really talk about like creativity for all and something that's like super accessible, it would definitely be Spark. I completely agree with you yet again, ma'am. The templates are the most easiest thing that you can find and quickly create your graphics for any of the school projects and activities. What do you think is the most apt tool for communication? Uh, let's see. I mean, right now, with, you know, with the pandemic, I would definitely think like there's you know, like video conferencing is really powerful and that really depends on what tool you have accessible, um, you know, for like to really be able to communicate. I do not like emails <laughs> in fits. Um, at Adobe, we use something called Slack. I do like Slack because it's really fast and that's for work. And so it lets me just like stay really quickly in touch and have everything kind of at my fingertips. Um, so I would probably say maybe those, um, you know, and text messaging, of course, I mean, that's like just on like not work wise, but personally, I'm always communicating through text. What do you think is the most apt tool for critical thinking and problem solving? I've used things like Socrative, which is a tool that like you can have like a quick answer and have kids be force them to read each other's responses before kind of like you push it back and it forces you to kind of like vote or upvote responses. So that makes you like think critically about other people's responses and then, um, you know, share them. So that's a little different. That's the critical thinking piece. Um, for problem solving, I, I think just like, is forget a tool. I think it's just like a strategy, like having kids make, having kids, pull, you know, like, you know, pull in the SDGs, come up with like real world experiences and then try to prototype and think about ways that they will be able to solve them using a multiple, you know, mul a multitude of tools. So I, I, I can't say one because I think it's really a process in terms of problem solving, then it would be like a tool that can solve it. So yeah, I think that's what I would say. <laughs>
absolutely app smashing comes uh, into power over here uh, app smashing adobe spark with different tools uh, such as google slides nearpod and everything else can really help to solve real world problems Absolutely. Um, it also solves digital literacy problems just like figuring out like i need to make this but i can only do this with this like how do i add that like i think it's just like a process more than anything yeah totally well what do you think is the most apt tool uh, in terms of curation Oh, good question. So, I would definitely say right now Wakelet would be like one of my number ones. Um again, totally equitable. I really like tools that are free. <laughs> so, uh for students, of course, um I know of course companies do need to make money as well, so having like something that's available for everybody is really helpful. And I've always been a huge fan of Padlet. Um but Padlet, you know, now you have to pay I still pay. I can't help it. I love it so much. So, I would say those are probably my two favorite tools. Adlet and Wakelet are superb tools. What do you think about global citizenship? Which tool is most apt? So, I really um I mean, from what I know from like a lot of the programs that are out there, I I love the Teach SDGs and, you know, like from that perspective, I think that that's like a great way of approaching global citizenship and thinking about problem solving and and you know contributing to the world. So I, I don't know if that's what you're thinking but like I would think that that's probably a really great approach. You know the 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 SDGs are just such a great way of looking at the world and thinking about how we can contribute to it. Absolutely. The agenda 2030 is our next target and we don't have much time left to achieve them. As we near the end of the episode, who or what has been your biggest inspiration in life? Probably my biggest inspiration in my life was uh my aunt. So my aunt, uh my aunt Molly, she had um when she was born, she was born with her umbilical cord wrapped around her neck. and so she lacked oxygen and this was in the 1940s and um so she grew up um i grew up with an aunt who had very special needs so she was never able to develop mentally past maybe like a 7 year old mentality and so she had a lot of medical issues as well and so growing up with an aunt who had special needs was probably very much had the biggest impact on me as a human and my empathy and how i valued um humans and my you know and how i valued how we treat each other and helped me see the importance of being a good person and treating other people um with kindness and genuine respect So I'd say my aunt Molly would definitely be the biggest person who's had the biggest impact and inspiration in my life. Are there any uh, words, the inspirational lines that have led you to what you have become today? Um I mean, I was not I was not like a great student. You know, I struggled um in school um I ended up learning how to learn and I I'm because I'm smart um so I don't necessarily know if there's lines but I think what I'd like to leave people with is the idea that um I work at a company where a lot of my colleagues went to a lot of Ivy League schools and some of the top colleges in the world and I didn't 
I went to a local college in Montreal. I didn't have a traditional route to working at a big company. Um, but I, I want people to believe that even the most non-traditional learners, those who might not necessarily fit in the box, um, are really the learners that can do well and that shouldn't feel discouraged because they're not necessarily seen or valued like for the things that often we get sidetracked by valuing test scores or whatever the case might be. I would have never tested well in high school. I, I was not a great test taker. And so I think that what I would love people to kind of leave with is the idea that you can really do, and I know it sounds cliche, but you really truly can um, work past that and use your strengths to do the things that you really love and are passionate about if you put your mind to it. You know, that you don't have to go in that traditional space so that there is opportunity for everybody. Um, and I, I'd like to believe that in some way, shape or form that, that you can find some passion in the things that you do. So um, yeah, so I, I'll leave it with that. Well, being a lifelong learner and being open to connecting with others and shape that shapes our experiences. Thank you so much once again, Ms. Tanya. For students embarking on their journey to become ACES, where can we find you and who can we follow? A great question. So if you're looking to find out more about the Adobe Creative Educator Program, you can go to adobe.ly forward slash capital A-C-E and that will take you straight to the program information. You can reach me on Twitter at Tanya Avrith. Um, I'm, that's probably the best place to connect. Uh, thank you so much, Miss Tanya, for being part of the SDG Warriors podcast. Um, our audience is feeling so inspired and we look forward to connecting in the future as well. Thank you so much once again. Thank you.